Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, a conversation about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling. Today, I'm glad to be joined by my friend, Lisa Anderson. Lisa is the director of Boundless of young adults at Focus on the Family and hosts The Boundless Show, a national radio program and podcast. Lisa is a longtime friend, a terrific voice on singleness, dating, theology, and other issues that affect young Christians. I have been reading Boundless at Focus for many, many years. It was one of the very first really, really good Christian websites before there was all kinds of content and all kinds of great places to get good Christian content online. This was like back in the late 90s when just being on the internet was pretty cool and they were running a really great site and always have had great content. Lisa uh, is the editor of that site and also of the podcast. We're going to talk to her today about her new book, The Dating Manifesto. There's a lot of confusion in the church about dating and courtship. It just kind of gets weird and, you know, besides, you know, what the boundaries should be, but just kind of what's appropriate and and uh, dating versus courtship and all those kind of questions. She will help clear up some of the confusion and offer, I think, a biblical way for Christian singles to live out the gospel and pursue marriage. Should be a fun conversation. By the way, if you miss some of our podcasts, you can go to danieldarling.com and download conversations we've had in the past with people like Matt Chandler or Jim Daly or David Platt or Oz Guinness. Uh, We'd love to hear from you as well. You can send an email to wayhome at erlc.com or write a review on iTunes and tell us what you think about the Way Home podcast. But for now, let's join our conversation with Lisa Anderson. Well, Lisa Anderson, thank you for joining me today on the Way Home podcast. Appreciate it. Very great to be here. Absolutely. So before we talk about your fantastic new book, I want to just talk about a little bit about you and your work at Focus and a little bit of your background. So you, how long have you been working at Focus? Oh, it's been forever, um, which is kind of sobering because I keep thinking I'm like in my 20s. <laughs> um, I have been here. This is the second time I've been at Focus, actually. I came here as a writer straight mm-hmm. out of college. And then I left for a while, and I was in Minneapolis, in Washington, D.C., a couple other spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back uh, the front end of the 2000s on the PR team and did that mm. for 11 years and then transitioned to Boundless in 2010, full-time. So, yeah, that's yeah, it's been quite a ride. That, that's great. Now, you are from the Midwest, right? Is that correct? Originally? Originally. Uh, born, in, born in Minnesota and then grew up in California. So uh, I've kind of been a few places. Those are two different worlds. Yeah. And you're a Trinity grad, right? I am. TIU. Yeah, in Deerfield. In fact, I was just there in April um, to speak in their chapel and oh, at a cool. conference. And that was, that was fun great. to be part of that. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Chicago area. So I'm always... Anytime I can find a connection okay. there, it's always good. So do you miss the... Absolutely. The... Um, Deep dish pizza, be honest, do you really miss that? You know, I do. I wouldn't say I'm not like the hardcore obsessed person that is mm-hmm. the Chicagoan who has their favorite. Um, I will say when I was there in April, I was taken out to um, Lou Malnati's. Yes. And I, I yes. mentioned that on social media. Yes. And all of a sudden, all the Giordano's fans uh, rose up. <laughs> gosh. So I think you can't win. It's like you pick one and you get, you know, the ire of the other well, side. and I, I so the way I rank them is you made a good choice. Lou Malati's is one, and like okay. Giordano's like one A, and then Gino's. So really, you can't go wrong, to be honest with okay. you. Okay, so well, you good to you know. made it a was good, great. So. You made a good choice, but uh, well, I I and you've been with Boundless. How long have you been working on Boundless? 
So I started on the show on the front end of uh, 2008, Mm -hmm. and that was while I was still director of media relations Mm -hmm. here at Focus. And basically, it was the team at the time, so Steve and Candace Waters, Mm -hmm. uh, now part of your tribe over there. Yeah. Um, And then their team, they basically said, Lisa, we're going to start this podcast. You are single and like to talk. Do you want to host it? And I was like, sure. And so I started that in 2008, and then in 2010, I moved over here full-time. Yeah. You know, Boundless is, is cool because, I, I mean, it was one of the first, like, really well-done Christian magazine blog-type things. You know, I remember when I, you know, reading it, even before, you know, like, years ago when it first started. And so it's, it's really cool to see how it's grown. And, uh, I mean, it's one of the... F- you know that now there's a million just places for content and 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 uh, blogs and everything, but it's one of the kind of the pioneer blogs, I would say. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. It was actually started in 1998 by Stephen Candace Waters, and yeah. really the goal of it was to um, be kind of a worldview webzine mm-hmm. for college students. And as the audience aged and became more interested in relationships and family and kind of moving into adulthood, they morphed into that, and so. Uh, that's kind of the boundless I inherited. Yeah, I mean, 1998, like, was there even internet in 1998? I don't, I think it was still new. I think they were still, you know, trying to figure out what in the world this thing yeah, was. It was. Probably AOL and stuff, yeah. I don't know. It's funny when you were saying, yeah, the goal in 1998, and I was going to say, the goal in 1998 was just to be online. Like, if you were online, right. you were awesome. You know, like, right, um, exactly. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book, The Dating Manifesto. So, you know, it's such a needed book. Tell me a, first what kind of went through your mind to think, I need to write a book on this. Yeah, And actually, I'm not even sure that did initially. Um, It was mostly prompted by friends and Mm -hmm. other people that I had talked to. I kept getting in conversations about what it meant to be single, Mm -hmm. uh, to wrestle with, you know, maybe a script that you'd been delivered that you hadn't expected, and then just how to navigate the dating waters. Because I had really, I mean, Dan, even though I was like, grew up in a Christian home and had a lot of great examples Mm -hmm. and stuff of marriage and good relationships, I kind of, I don't know if I didn't internalize a lot of that or what, but I think I just was kind of entered the dating culture and and it was a free for all. And I was just like, okay, well, as long as this guy was a Christian, it was basically like, well, let me just figure out everything else about him. (laughs) And so I was dating, just making some probably poor dating choices, Mm -hmm. um, dating guys who weren't even in a position probably to be dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really out of that, um, it was my publisher, David C. Cook, their big motivation was Lisa we need a book like this written by someone who's still living it. Mm. Um, there are lots of books on singleness and dating written by people who are married who kind of want to look back on that season and say, hey, here's how I got through it. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what about that person that's still slogging through? Okay, I'm single, so I have something unique to say. This is definitely for women and men. This isn't just a women's book where it's like, ladies, let's all be awesome and bash all the men around us. I'm an equal opportunity offender in this (laughs) and encourager. Um, And then three, it really was going to be tell it like it is. It was no holds barred. I Mm -hmm. I describe it and thus the manifesto um, as my line in the sand. This is everything I wish I'd been told in my 20s but wasn't. um, And I'm going to kind of help that next generation hopefully avoid the mistakes that I made. So Christian, like dating is hard enough, right? If you're just, you know, guys and girls in this kind of weird world of dating. But like Christian dating is makes it even harder and weirder, don't you think? Just adding the, the sort of Christian element to it uh, in, in terms of at least what most young Christians experience, right? 
Oh, absolutely. And it's largely because, I mean, as Christians, we know that we should be um, putting biblical principles into effect as we date. We know there should be boundaries. We know that there should be intention and structure, but it seems like we don't know how, how to go about doing that. And yeah. So we have different perspectives, like there's the hardcore courtship model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then there's the, okay, well, let's just, you know, make it easy and do whatever you want, but still, you know, maintain purity. And so I think there's no, you know, I always tell people, it's not like we can open the Bible and turn yeah. to first and second dating and get yeah. straight up advice. So we have to apply biblical principles. Well, and I think one of the things that makes it weird too, right, is this whole idea. I remember when I was in, just in college and high school and, uh, you know, it's like the whole idea of like God's will, like that just makes everything weird, like... You know, is this God's will, and is this concrete, and how do I know? And doesn't that kind of make it hard on on uh, young men and women making decisions? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I often have people ask me, you know, it's that tension of, well, you know, I really should just be trusting God for this. So, you know, they interpret that as that means I just need to sit back and wait for something to happen. And that's where I kind of say, well, look, I did that, and uh, I was heading into my 30s and still single. And so um, I think it's a balance of what does it mean to um, to trust God with the process, but also do your part. And so there's a there's a measure of action and intention. You know, I always turn people back, especially guys, to Proverbs eighteen twenty two: He who finds a wife, guys, not he who waits waits around, you know, for her to drop in his lap. And yes. so we have to be actively pursuing, just in the same sense that we'd be pursuing a, a job or an apartment search or something similar. Yeah, it is weird how we are very intentional about a lot of things, but with that, it's just kind of this weird nebulous, you know, waiting for mm-hmm. a lightning bolt well, from the sky. And I I think some of it comes down to um, there's there's a stigma and a shame around singleness to some extent, mm-hmm. even within the church. We're not talking about it very much. And so as a result, to say that you want to be married, to voice that and to voice that you have a desire uh, for going after it, it somehow equates to I'm not trusting God, or I'm desperate, or, you know, I God just doesn't have a plan A for me, so I'm going to have to settle. And that's where I think we need to, you know, reel ourselves back in and be like, look, God is a big fan of marriage. He designed it. He created it. We need to get serious about trusting Him with what this could look like and, and stop attributing all these voodoo tactics to yeah. it, like they're going to work any better than just walking forward in trust. Um, it, it seems, too, maybe you could speak not just to the individual, but church cultures and sort of Christian college cultures and seminary, like those kind of cultures get a little bit awkward and weird for dating too, especially, I just think of, you know, the church I grew up in and and then I was on staff there for years. I mean, they knew me and it was like a little small town. And so every every move I made was, it was just, just kind of weird, you know? And so mm-hmm. maybe speak to how, you know, Christian leaders can create healthy dating cultures, if you will. Sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, obviously there is great weight to marriage. It's a huge decision, you know, but I think we've taken that and all of a sudden made it this paralyzing feat where you no longer can go out on a date with someone without it meaning marriage or without you, you know, attributing some huge import to it. Um, And as a result, we have people just not dating um, because they're Mm -hmm. they're putting all these arbitrary rules on things like, oh, well, if she went out with two guys in our singles group, that means that, you know, she needs a waiting period before she goes out with any other guys. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. where is this ever indicated as any prescriptive yeah. method for dating? 
And so I think, you know, church leaders, pastors, those who care about singles within the church need to say, look, there are, you know, we need to get out of this idea, and I talk about this in the book, of um, the one or soulmates. We need to just say there are, let's say conservatively, thousands of godly people of the opposite Mm. sex that you could build a family with, you could be attracted to, you could serve with. Um, you only got to pick one. And so in that process, it involves getting to know this person, evaluating their character, seeing if you enjoy them, if you could be a good fit, you know, grow old together. Mm -hmm. And then you just make the decision and you make the rest of it happen during the course of your lifetime, Mm -hmm. um, rather than feeling like, oh, I can't marry this person unless I know absolutely every possible thing about them. Um, that is not possible. And so you're going to set yourself up for years and years of directionless dating. So I want to have you speak uh, first to, you know, young Christian women, single Christian women. It can be kind of a difficult navigating this world and, you know, waiting for guys to ask you and how do you, how do you kind mm-hmm. of conduct yourself? You don't want to be too forward, but you also want to get married. Like, what is your advice to women, to young Christian women? Sure. And my advice is specific to them because it's different than that for men. And it also, I think a lot of women feel like their hands are tied because they Mm -hmm. say, well, I know guys are supposed to lead and I don't want to be the pursuer and all this stuff. So, you know, here's what women can do. First of all, you know, we've got to be praying about this. This is a huge life decision. This is a huge transition Mm -hmm. into adulthood. You know, who you're going to marry, when you're going to marry, all that stuff. We have to be praying, putting our hearts before the Lord and expressing it as a desire. We also need to be expressing it as a desire within our faith community. Mm -hmm. So this is where I tell the single ladies, um, start talking about it at church. I mean, I remember when, wow, how many years ago was it? Not several years when I had mentioned something about marriage um, at church and someone stopped me and they said, well, that's weird. I didn't think you wanted to get married. I thought you were always (laughs) about your career. And I was like, what did I say or how in the world did I act that would communicate that? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's, perception can be reality. So really, mm. I had obviously given off that vibe. And so we need to be honest about our desires, and we need to then go into those communities of um, women, especially the married women, and say, help me out. Um, I tell single women and guys, be willing to be set up. This idea that, oh, we have to navigate this on our own is just totally bogus. Mm. We need to get to a point where we're saying, I mean, who better to introduce us to potential mates than the people who know us and yeah. love us best? And so somehow we've gotten into this weird isolated mentality where we're doing speed dating and online dating and all kinds of things that aren't really getting us where we want to be. Yeah. I mean, the value of community, right, is so, so important. Mm -hmm. What do you say to men, Mm -hmm. to to guys, you know, if you could give advice to men, young men, you know, they want to be intentional, but they don't want to come across as like weird, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, so there's, you know, what, you know, I've got three girls, I've got, but I've got one son. And so, you know, he's only six yeah. right now, praise God. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you tell young men? <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell guys, uh, first of all, get it in your head and make the assumption on the front end that this may be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think guys are being so conditioned in our culture to stand back, to be passive, mm-hmm. to not take risks. And this is a hugely risky endeavor for men, but mm. it will pay off um, if, if they're meant to be married. You know, you mm. only need one. Um, <laughs> so, right. so it, you know, it's, it's the idea of them putting their cards on the table, being willing to step up, 
if they do, even if they're rejected, they will have still set themselves apart from about 80% of guys out there who mm-hmm. are doing reconnaissance missions, who are not asking direct questions, who are, <laughs> you know, slinking back in the shadows and just playing, you know, uh, relationship games in their heads. And so um, understand that you will be taking a risk. And then secondly, um, get a mentor, get someone in your life who, you know, you said they don't want to be weird. Um some guys just are weird. Okay. And women are too. And if you're weird, you need to know it and figure out what in your behavior in whatever is off putting. And, uh, you need some straight up advice and, uh, some counsel on how to, um, you know, really work, whether it's a character issue, whether it's just a habit or a personality trait or the way that you are, uh, involving yourself in your Christian community, get help on that. Um, and then finally, you want to just step out and you want to be able to do it. And again, do it in community, um, get feedback from people, um, you know, try and try again and, uh, and go for it. And I think that's, uh, that's where you'll see success. So I have to tell you, I, I asked my wife, Angela, we were married 13 years. I asked her out probably in the worst possible way to ask anybody out. So I was, you know, in this church that I grew up in, community, everybody knew, every everyone I'd ever dated in every relationship that failed, and it was just kind of awkward. And So I asked Angela out, and I was all nervous about people knowing, which was kind of stupid now that I think about it. But I asked her uh, via voicemail, which is, first of all, oh, okay. not a really good way to ask somebody. And then I, yeah, I told her, yeah. not only did I ask her out, I told her to kind of keep it low-key because I didn't want people to find out, which is also really bad. <laughs> she still went out with me and we're married, but I'm guessing that's not part of the advice wow. you give to young men. In fact, I had, um, <laughs> you know, okay, so that's bad. At least you actually used your voice. So that's good, even <laughs> yeah. though it wasn't a voicemail. I mean, yeah. let's, let's just talk about how the bar is so low nowadays, but yeah. that's probably good. Um, I had a guy uh, one time ask me out via Words with Friends, uh, oh, the game on your phone. Oh man! So, um, and not only was it, uh, it wasn't even really an ask out. The way he said it was through the texting mechanism, and he was just like, "Hey, we should hang out sometime." And I was like, "Well, I'm not sure if you're asking me to hang out. Um, There's a group of us at church that occasionally do things together. You're welcome to join us. If, however, you're asking me out, you need to do that in a way other than through words with friends." (laughs) And so, (laughs) that is awesome. Apparently, he didn't know that I had since, you know, yeah. uh, you know, gotten a few tips through through Boundless and Beyond on that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just become we have lowered the bar so much to encourage passivity and safety and, yeah. and all of this. And again, it's just there's so much confusion because we don't know yeah. is this a date? Who are they actually asking me out? What does this look like? Mm. So, yeah, we got to put some clarity back into that. So, uh, really good advice. I want to encourage everybody. Uh, uh, even even people like uh, pastors, church leaders might get your book to kind of have some good advice on how to counsel young people, and then obviously uh, single Christian singles to get your book and read it. I think it's it's really really well done and good. I want to just before we close, I want to ask a few questions about Boundless. Um, first about you and the creative process, and uh, your writer as well as uh, you know everything else that you do. How do you get ideas for Boundless and for just some of the creative projects you work on? What's your creative process look like? And then secondly, maybe kind of what you look for as an editor uh, when you're looking for to publish people. Sure. 
Well, really to focus um, Boundless and kind of give us our niche, um, mm-hmm. we, we actually have three pillars of content. And so all of our stuff will play into those in some way, uh, with the exception of a little bit of the blog. That's where we give a little freedom, you mm-hmm. know, to get crazy or talk about current events or whatever. But otherwise, everything we talk about hinges around um, relationships, life, so just adulthood, growing up kind of stuff, so mm-hmm. career, money, all that stuff. Um, and then faith. What does it look like to own our own faith, to um, not just, you know, fly uh, or, or sit in our parents' spiritual shadow, mm-hmm. um, but to take that on for ourselves, to get into the Word, to serve within the church uh, community. So that's really what we look for. Um, Ideas-wise, and we work further out on the site for articles and stuff, so we work with a great team of writers and freelancers who are constantly feeding us new ideas, uh, so that's always great. And those are where our kind of weightier, more evergreen pieces live, where we're talking about, okay, you know, navigating sexuality in today's culture as a Christian, navigating um, what does it look like, you know, um, masculinity and femininity? How do we mm. how do we live that out? Um, and then for the podcast, we uh, sit around, we brainstorm ideas, we, you know, because it's so... Uh, we really want the feel to be sitting in someone's living room and just chatting about what's going on in our lives and, and then um, bringing some expertise in from others as well. Um, that can be just what we're reading uh, on the team. It can be frustrations that have come up in our friend circles. It can be stuff that we've heard at church, um, uh, suggestions we get from listeners and readers. Uh, those are other great places for us to get new ideas. So it really can run the gamut. That's that's really great. Well, I've always loved Boundless. I, I read it uh, regularly and have for many years. Uh, you're doing great work Aww. there, Lisa, and I appreciate this book. Appreciate your friendship. I hope everyone runs out and, and buys a book. Thanks for joining me, though. I appreciate it. Well, hey, thanks so much. Well, I want to thank my friend Lisa Anderson. What a great conversation on very important topics encourage you to go out and get her book, The Dating Manifesto. We'll have a link on the website, danieldarling.com. Click on the podcast page. We list show notes there with every podcast. So if we mention something, uh, it will be there. Also, you can check out our other podcasts with other people. They're all listed there, all ready for download. Uh, We'd love for you to check those out. We'd also love to hear from you. If you want to contact us by email, wayhome at erlc.com or write a review on iTunes. But for now, thank you for listening to The Way Home.